0: It's summertime tape to tape here in the hot and sweaty and swassy city of Toronto. Rory, there's a blinding white glow here in the studio. That must mean I see your white legs exposed. <laughs> yes. From your shorts. I am in sandals, contributing a little more white glow to this studio. It is truly the dog days of summer. How's your vacation going? It's
1: been fantastic. We we went and visited my parents with the uh, the little one and, and my wife for a few days last week. We so we went up to Gravenhurst for a day. And they have those old those old steamships. One of them is an old steamship. One of them is Built recently, but made to be a replica sort of of it. So that was the one that we got taken out on. And you kind of go around the lake and they give you a little spiel about all these things that you're seeing. And I didn't know that there was a uh World War 2 POW camp right there right but right by the city and they were explaining that you know they would come down to the rocks in the summertime they would let them go out and swim and I was thinking boy that's a pretty good POW camp and I thought winter must have been pretty nasty <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: it was a great POW camp as long as it was warm yeah
1: yeah i mean it was. It's beautiful up there. We've I've definitely gotten a lot of golf in. So oh, nice. Hopefully my white legs are a little less white <laughs> than they normally would be. Y- you, <laughs> like me, have two colors,
0: white and pink pretty much, oh, right? M- my shoulders got so red last week. Yes, I I missed a spot. <laughs> I have yet to hit a round of golf. I was actually just thinking about that on the way in. That I, I'm down to realistically two or three a summer, but I at least got to get that in. And, of course, we always have our tape-to-tape open yes, somewhere in July and August. So we got to schedule that as well. Little vacay for me as well. Bumping around. It has been nice. There is still some hockey to talk about though. We're going to do just that in the context of some unsigned RFAs. Going to look at the Winnipeg Jets and ask, are the Jets in a little trouble here with the central getting fast, getting very strong around them. And then we'll go out with a, a 12 month preview uh, look ahead to free agency 2020. Certainly some interesting names headlined by Taylor Hall, who's really made no secret of the fact that he's got some non-negotiable priorities in terms of contending. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if the devils can provide what he is looking for. But let's start with the unsigned RFAs. I mean, other than the Habs sort of doing Carolina a favor with the Aho offer sheet and knocking out that business, Don Waddell joked at the time, Hey, cool. Now I can put my feet up. Yep. But there's a lot of GMs, including uh, Kevin Dayoff in Winnipeg, uh, who still has work to do with Patrick Laine. We've also got uh, the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, and Matthew yep. kuchuk Yep, no agreement. I mean, let's throw out the caveat that by the time our cherished listeners are uh, are listening to the tape to tape podcast, who knows what may have changed? But the big one here, and and I still think the big one league wide, Mitch Marner. I'm going to an event tonight here in Toronto, Mm -hmm. headlined by Mitch Marner, and there's going to be all kinds of chatter about, hey, why hasn't this guy and this team, these two things that seem made for each other, still just can't seem to to figure it out? Yeah, I mean... I'm just interested who's going to be the first one,
1: like like Aho technically was, but it, it took an offer sheet to get him what he wanted. Who's going to be the first one of these RFAs to sign with his team, no offer sheet involved, because that's really going to be what helps the market, I think. And I'm not surprised that Marner's not the first one. I don't think he's going to be among the first because he's he seems to be the one that is wanting the most money. And it's hard to... I think it's really hard to make an argument why he should make $11 million as a winger. He had a great season, everything like that. You know what no one's talking about is that he had this huge breakout season playing with John Tavares. it's It's not a coincidence that he was able to break out by almost 30 more points. Playing with one of the best centers in the game, right? So to, I just don't see how he's worth Austin Matthews' money, which is the comparable. So now that you've got Aho off the market for what was it, nine, eight, five. Eight, eight, five, eight, five, Um, you know. I, I, again, like I don't think Matthew Kachuk's even going to be the next one off because he seems to be demanding a lot too. Is it Line and does he go bridge or not? Like, it, 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 it's really hard the, to see. is the, the one
0: that does seem to scream two-year deal. It does,
1: absolutely. I mean, he could... I mean, if anybody was willing to bet on that guy and kind of buy low a little bit on him, you could throw a big offer sheet at, at Patrick Line and maybe Winnipeg accepts it. But he's a guy who... If he's not going to get an offer sheet two or three years, show us that you can score forty goals, score a little bit more consistently than you did this past season, and then we'll pay you a ton of money in a couple of years. But you know, I, I just think he's a, he's a he seems to be a short term guy. Kyle Connor too. I mean, how does he fit into the Jets? The Jets have so much to figure out there. Um, I, I'm just who's going to be the first one that sets the market? I kind of thought maybe it was going to be Miko Rantanen because he's kind of got this artificial cap, right? Like he's probably going to make more than Nathan McKinnon does because it's such yeah, a bargain deal, it but is. it it can't be that much more, right? It can't be $10 million or something like that. So he's the one that because of his team situation, I was wondering if he was going to be the first one off the board and it's just been really slow going. But I mean, we've been talking about this RFA class for a long time. So I guess it's not surprising to see how slowly this is developing like think what you learned last season, though, with William Nylander, we saw it with Johnny Gaudreau when he had his contract dispute a couple of years ago. If you hold out into the, not hold out, if you had the contract dispute into the season, you miss training camp, you miss games, it can have a
0: really negative effect on how your whole season plays out. Well, I mean, I am the first to say, and I continue to be, I guess, I just can't get it beat into me. I continue to be naive about how these things are going to play out specifically with Marner, where it just you look at the situation and the guy, you know, as many people have noted, like he has a chance to be the best Maple Leaf from Toronto ever. Right. Sure. And It just yeah. seems like this perfect situation, but it's still not done. And and maybe not even close to being done. Do you really think we could see a repeat of the Nylander situation where all of a sudden, we're uh, last year we we learned about CBA um, components that <laughs> dictated yep. what date you have to sign by to be able to play in that season and stuff. We just never thought we were going to be talking about. I don't think with the Nylander situation. Lo and behold, there we were. I mean, when the Leafs come back, and I think it's September thirteenth to open camp. Do you think there is a really solid chance Marner's not there
1: for sure? Especially if the rest of if the, this RFA market doesn't pick up anytime times soon with with signings. Absolutely. I mean it, it I really am curious like who's calling the shots in that camp is is it him is he going to put his foot down is he letting his agent his dad maybe kind of influence where this goes and and if if he's kind of letting other people do the thinking for him and and make those decisions for him then sure I could I could absolutely see him miss time and, and hold out for that 11 million dollars or or Austin Matthews money mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, after we saw William Nelander go through it last year, I just I don't see a reason why it it couldn't happen. I would say out of all the RFAs, he's probably the most likely that that holds out into the season. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it could happen to any of these guys. Would you be shocked if Matthew Kachuk did the same thing? I wouldn't be. Um, it's it's really hard to gauge who and how many of these guys will go through that until one of them signs with their own team
0: because you just we still don't really have a market for these guys. Well. We mentioned uh, the Jets and Line A also in uh, an interesting situation, and Kyle Connor. We're going to dive a little deeper into the Jets scene in the next block and uh, basically just address a very basic question of, is the team that we thought really had a nice window here to... To really compete for the Stanley Cup, is it all of a sudden in a little bit of trouble just in terms of what's happening around Winnipeg? A couple key guys going out the door in free agency. Really nice core there. Um, but things, it hasn't exactly been the summer of a jet, so to speak. So stick around. We're going to talk about the Jets and how things are shaping up for the fall on the other side of the break on tape to tape. This podcast is brought to you by the next-generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-protocol gate. Summer is on the way, which means softball, beer leagues, beach volleyball, and patio season. The Sierra Denali's gate comes with a built-in load stop to keep whatever you're traveling with in place and turns into a step for easier access. Once you arrive, it can also become a work surface that includes a power
1: outlet so whether you're loading a tackle box working on a project or tailgating at the game we've got you covered gmc sierra denali we are professional grade
0: welcome back to tape to tape all right rory you were writing about this before you went on vacation. when things really shook out after Uh, The Madness on July 1 and July 2, uh, and even a little before that. Hard to argue that the Winnipeg Jets came out a better team uh, than they finished the year. Mm -hmm. When you consider Jacob Truba traded to the New York Rangers, and then Tyler Myers, another staple on the back end, signed uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. So, I mean, let's not get crazy here. This is a team that has really done a great job of building over the years. And I'm really just bringing this up because of two things. Relative to... Um, number one, just how much better it seems like some teams in the Central have gotten. And the Central's been a tough division for a while, but when we were listing winners after free agency, Dallas was on there. Chicago was quietly gotten better. I really like what's gone on there. I mean, Nashville addressed a need, bringing in Matt Duchesne. You have to believe the Preds are going to be a strong team again. So, and and Colorado is basically the team that's listed first whenever you talk about team in best situation yes. now and for the near term future in the yep. NHL. So, things have just gotten tougher uh, around the Winnipeg Jets and then, you know, this is also a conversation that's happening just relative to the way we thought of Winnipeg the past couple of years as a team that really seemed like it had a great chance for the Stanley Cup here in a in a three- or five-year window, that may still be true, but all of a sudden you're looking at this team going, I mean, could they be fighting for a wild card when it comes down to it next next spring?
1: Yeah. I, look, like, they're still a good team, right? There's still a ton of good parts. And, and I think it's way more important to be strong and deep up front on your forwards, especially down the middle, than it is to really have two stud defensemen or something like that. So the Jets are very well situated there. I think a key for them this year is going to be what does some of these guys on entry level contracts do? J- Jack Rosavich wants more of a role. He's very very hungry for that. Can he? carve out that for himself can he become a better point producer defensive guy can he just you know take that next step can Christian Vesalainen first round pick from a couple years ago can he make that team out of camp I mean he projects as a I mean, he's a big guy he projects as a goal scorer a good producer so you know is he able to carve out a little role for him um, I was wondering if the Jets might trade Matthew Perot because he makes he, I love the player but he makes 4.1 million dollars he really is a third line player for them it's kind of a luxury they don't necessarily need if you can swap them for a defenseman and really like what I just said about how important it is to have a, a strong forward unit. I am a little bit worried about that blue line yeah. in, in Winnipeg. I mean, Dustin Bufflin's 34, yeah, at some point, right? Like it, you already saw it, like Jacob Truba last year took over as the number one guy. I think Josh Morrissey is going to become the number one sure. guy on this team. Dustin Bufflin is going to start to slow down to, to some degree. Still a great defenseman. Josh Morrissey, uh, you know, he's going to be an RFA again next summer. You want to get him under long-term contract. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be in the same Truba situation. Obviously a different dynamic there, but you know, they don't have these guys like they do up front on entry level contracts that you can expect to possibly be, be big difference makers. Like Sammy Niku has flashed for sure, but like, is he a top four defenseman? I'm maybe, but Very you're not there yet. Yeah. Very much. Same, same with Neil Pionk. They got from the New York Rangers in the Truba trade. Like, he, I think the analytics community kind of more looks at him as a third pair guy. They they have a lot of these depth guys, Nathan Bolio. So th- I mean, that's not a bad thing. You do have your your two studs and Morrissey and Bufflin, but I, I, I it remains to be seen. I think if the effect of depth is still there on the back end, and, and Connor Hellebuck is kind of the wild card. In this. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was great two years ago. Vesna runner up two exactly. Years ago. Last year took a little bit of a step back, and he was still fine. He was still he was still above average, but you know, you kind of just, it left you wondering, okay, well, he was, he was fine enough, but if they come back next year and they're not as strong defensively, does that make him more susceptible to have a bit of another kind of step back? So uh, the jets still have a really strong um, pipeline of prospects. I think Kevin Shaldeff has proven over the years where he has been very quiet on the trade front, when everybody's been screaming at him to to do something that, he's in control of the situation as well as he can be he he trusts the long term outlook of this team the way they develop players so at some at some point you just got to start trusting your gm that he's going to be able to navigate and and maybe this means they just have to take a little bit of a step back this year to kind of reset themselves t- towards next season but you know, like you you mentioned all these teams that have taken big steps forward, and it's just like, where now, Did last year the Jets look like a number one team in that central for sure, if not number two, and now you're looking at all these other teams
0: that are making huge strides, and you're like,
1: where do the Jets actually fit into the central division picture
0: right now? And the one we didn't mention is the Stanley Cup champion, St.
1: Louis Blues. Right. <laughs> I mean, are... They have to, I guess they're the favorite to win that division. I mean, I could even see them finishing third or something like that because you have a little bit of a hangover or something like that. I love what Chicago's done. Yeah. Dallas,
0: you know, like it's funny that you have six teams that you really are nodding along going, okay, okay. And then you have Minnesota, which right now I'm not saying is the worst team. But might be the most perplexing team in terms of like, know. what's the plan here? What yeah. are they
1: doing? I, I have that was I had a question for every team uh, going into the off season, and that was was like, what the heck is the plan here yeah. in Minnesota? Like, it, it, it Paul Fenton when he he became GM for years, he was the guy. Like, when is this guy going to be given a shot? When he was the assistant in Nashville, finally given a shot, and then his first or one of his first trades was the Nino Niederreiter trade, which really blew up in his face down the stretch. Ryan Donato from Boston looked pretty good on that team. So in, in those senses, like it looked like they were trying to get a little bit younger. Fine. This, this team hasn't been successful in the playoffs. They need to reload. And then they go out and they add Matt Zuccarello and free agency. And now they're looking like they're trying to push this thing forward again. And you're going to be without Miko Koivu next season. And you know, it's just like, are you trying to get into the playoffs? Are you spending money where maybe you shouldn't? Are you trying to retool and and really get this thing back onto a different track that puts you on a better trajectory i i don't know what the focus is on that team i'm picking them to
0: finish last but i'm looking at the central and i'm thinking
1: I think, five teams have got to be coming to the playoffs or that division next year
0: minnesota finishing last i think is the only thing we really know yeah. about that division yeah. but like you said yeah you could absolutely see five teams going from the central which um is crazy but uh abs- i mean and then you look at the pacific and there's good teams there but not a ton in the way of sure things. No, not at all. So
1: Vegas, I feel is a pretty good. Sure thing. Calgary, they still have goaltending questions, but I still feel pretty good about the Calgary flames. Love their forwards and defense. San Jose. Jose, You're going to give the benefit of the doubt too, I think, but yes, yes, it's not do anything about their goaltending. Right. So, so you, you can poke holes in all these teams. Edmonton, obviously Anaheim just had a terrible season. Obviously you can poke holes there. Maybe Arizona takes a step, but all these teams have huge questions that the teams in the central don't seem to have. There's a lot more
0: optimism for those yeah. teams. I'm glad we're sitting here talking about trying to figure out who's going to be good. Cause that leads nicely into the final block. We're going to talk about some of the guys who are eligible. El- we're going to talk about some of the guys who are eligible to become UFAs in the summer of 2020. There are certainly some interesting names on the list. Recent Well, the the most recent captain of a Stanley Cup winner, Alex Petrangelo, another guy who won the Stanley Cup very recently and played a huge role, Braden Holtby of the Washington Capitals. But I really do think Taylor Hall is the first name on people's minds when it comes to who could sign with anyone uh, next summer. And that's for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is he's been pretty clear about the fact that he wants to do something about the fact that he's only been to the NHL playoffs one time. So... Taylor Hall, one of his tasks, if he does go to market, will be trying to figure out who is a good team. And that's a tougher task than ever. So we are going to take a look at that class, maybe theorize about who will or won't actually make it to market. And I guess just get excited about the the big names that could be moving down the road because (laughs) it's pretty much done for this summer. So stick around for that. Coming up right here on Tape to Tape. Subscribing to multiple streaming services to get your sports fix? Introducing Sportsnet Now. Live stream the NHL, NBA, MLB, IndyCar, and much more all in one subscription. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like new package options available beginning at $19.99 a month. View snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Team's Tape. All right, we're going to fire some meat at you to try and get you excited about player movement again because okay. it's going to be a little while before, probably, probably. before we see <laughs> a lot exciting that's happening en masse anyways. So let's talk about these 2020 guys who are eligible to hit the open market on defense. I mentioned Alex Petroangelo. You got Tyson Berry, of course, uh, the newest Maple Leaf or the newest big name Maple Leaf. Tory Krug, definitely an mm-hmm. interesting one. In Boston, Jared Spurgeon, he's attracted a lot of attention in the last little while. Um, in terms of some trade chatter, I would say that going back a couple of years. Jake Muzzin, another leaf, of course. The leaf's probably, I mean, as they the solving the blue line issue is going to be an ongoing thing with both Muzzin and Barry eligible and Cody Ceci to become UFAs and a big one, Roman Yossi. Now, Yossi, as our friend and colleague. Luke Fox wrote on Sportsnet talking about this very same topic. He does feel like a guy who you have to think, you know, the captain of the National Predators, a lifelong Pred. uh, I would expect to see an extension somewhere there. They've traded Subban, right, to kind of get that done. That's right. Cleared out some room there. But, you know, some definitely some interesting names there when it comes to the D men looking at some of the goalies here. I mentioned Braden Holtby. You have a unique situation in Chicago where both Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard are in the last year of a deal, or in, in Leonard's case, on a one year yep. deal. We'll see. You would think they'll sort something out, kind of pick your horse there, probably sometime in season. You want um, to see how healthy Crawford yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Um but that you know that's a situation that uh, bears keeping an eye on i mean nothing else really exciting when it comes to the goalies but the forwards i think are almost always the most uh anticipated group of the ufas and man there are some names there nick backstrom uh, michael granlin even someone like braden shen i mean he was a big contributor to uh to the team that just won the stanley cup you've got alex gelchenyuk uh guy who's been on the move each of the past two summers. We'll see how things go in Pittsburgh, but certainly Taylor Hall tops that list. And, you know, I mentioned a couple times that, you know, this is a guy who's made the playoffs one time. It was in in his second year with the Devils. He's now coming into his fourth year with the Devils. And I love that Taylor Hall is excited about, the prospect of or prioritizing, you know, wanting to make the playoffs. And that's a a big thing for him. And there was a time not that long ago where if you could more or less pick your landing spot, you could say with a pretty high degree of certainty, look, you know, these are the five or six teams who have a really good chance at the Stanley Cup. So if one of them can fit me in. Yep. I feel really good about our odds. I'm going to the Detroit Red Wings, yeah, Colorado exactly. Yeah. Circa 2002. Yeah. That's just not the case in today's NHL. And whether you're uh, two guys on a podcast in front of microphones trying to do predictions or whether you're a guy who's been in the league for basically a decade. I mean, if you're Taylor Hall and next year, you're trying to figure out who has the best chance of winning. Well, number one, I mean, yes, you can circle the Tampa Bay Lightning or a team in Tampa Bay's tier, but That team's got to have room for you and have, I mean, everyone you would think would be interested in what Taylor's Hall is bringing, but he may not fill a a specific need for a team. If you've already got, you know, a lot of high scoring wingers, then you're maybe focusing somewhere else. By the time you strike off the teams that really make sense for you and that can fit you in, I mean, how many teams are you left with that you can look at and go, yes, for sure, that club's got a great chance. How many of those teams will for sure have a better chance than New Jersey, which just drafted first overall twice in the past three years? Has Jack Hughes, has Nico Heischer, has P.K. Subban? Mm -hmm. I really think this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch unfold.
1: Yeah, I mean, who who would have predicted that the New York Islanders would have made it further than the Toronto Maple Leafs this past season after losing John Tavares? No one could have seen the Carolina Hurricanes going to the conference final, and then you could say, well, there are always surprise teams that are going to overachieve but you can generally pick out teams that are pretty safe. But I would say to that, like the Anaheim ducks seem like a pretty safe team last year, right? Yeah. Like, great defense, great goaltender, very good forwards. And a couple of whom looked like they were going to take big steps. And then it all you know, the bottom falls out and they missed the playoffs completely. I mean, Edmonton looked like a really good bet uh, when they made the playoffs and and then they took a huge step back too. So, you know, you could say, yeah, I feel good about Boston making it. I feel good about San Jose making it, but you know, again, like the Atlantic is getting stronger around the Bruins. San Jose has the same goaltending questions they did as they did last year. I would argue they have a little less depth, especially without Joe Pavelski scoring all those goals for them next year. Um So, I mean, could they possibly miss the playoffs? I mean, it would be surprising, yeah. but it's not out of this world. Tampa Bay seems like the safest bet as a team that sure. would get to the playoffs, but they're not going to be able to fit you if you're a big right. UFA because they, they got their own guys to take care of. So, um, you know, Tampa or the New Jersey devils are a bit of a, they're, they're taking a bit of a Kawhi Leonard type shot here, right? Where th- this isn't just a one year thing. They have prospects that they're still building towards a brighter future and all that stuff. But knowing that they have Taylor hall with one more year before he's a UFA, they make this big trade for PK Subban. Like they're doing things. It seems to try and, entice him to stay show him that yes we have prospects and we're building towards something but we also have stuff in place right now that we think is going to put us in a position to not only get to the playoffs but win a round or to have some success there because I think that's what Hall wants he doesn't want to just get there right he's played one playoff Absolutely. series so you're trying to do that and and they're doing everything they can to show Hall that they are a safe bet to not just get the playoffs this year, but sign a long-term extension. And, and for all, all of those years, the duration, we will be a team that you can feel good about getting to the playoffs.
0: The funny thing is, you could probably start to make the argument that the Devils have... Two players who are actually going to fast become more important than Taylor Hall in Heisher and Hughes yep. because they're centers who are still, in the case of Hughes, he's just entering the league and Heisher's still on an entry level deal. So it's yes. funny that we're talking about, I mean, of course they want him to stay. It was a huge victory, this trade, to get him for Adam Larson. And I think the thing with Taylor Hall, too, is that we kind of learned when the Edmonton trade happened. You know, there's some guys I think you can just kind of drop in any situation and they have the personality to adapt to whatever is going on quickly. And I, I just don't know that that is who Taylor Hall is and I think he's he's been kind of open about the fact that it was a rough adjustment. It was his first trade, but you know, he's a guy who likes to feel comfortable in his surroundings. So I have yeah. to believe the devils have that going for them in that you now you know the surroundings here. You know, whether we're on the verge of winning the Stanley Cup, you know that we're in good hands with Ray Shiro. He's taken really strong action to improve the team yep. and, and they've had some luck. So we'll see how it shakes out. But I'm glad you bring up Kawhi because it is the one year anniversary of Leonard being traded to the Toronto Raptors. And it's fun to look at this Taylor Hall, this UFA stuff in the NHL through the prism of the NBA. We are nowhere near the point, And I don't think we'll ever get there in the NHL where the balance of power shifts so much in the course of a summer through free agency, right. where players leverage it as much as they do in the NBA. But Hall is a good example of, I think the shifting mentality around free agency in the NHL and how much players are. I do think starting to see it as a tool. They're going to leverage more and more to get as much money as they want and maybe find the situation they want. And whereas once upon a time, it was kind of a slam dunk. A lot of these guys would sign the eight year extension. It's just not so much. That's, That's not necessarily the default way things are going these days, and it seems that here in this kind of age of player empowerment is the term we hear a lot, whether it's basketball, certainly in basketball, but hockey as well. The way they conceptualize free agency is going to continue to evolve here in the next few summers.
1: Especially for the young guys who are RFAs. It doesn't seem the best idea. I mean, I get you want securities, so for some maybe, but it doesn't seem like the best idea to sign for seven or eight years when you're coming out of your, your ELC, because you look at some contracts and you wonder if Mark Shifley, Nathan McKinnon, those type of guys would redo their situation and sign for shorter term. Uh, So you can take a second big swing at a big contract in your prime. You can become a UFA as early as 25 if you walk into the league as an 18-year-old, as late as 27 years old, just to get as many of those prime UFA years as a UFA as he possibly can. So Austin Matthews signs for five years, and maybe that's what we see more of from the RFA. When you get to UFA, especially if you're 30— then I think it becomes a little bit more important to get the term if, as long as you're getting the money that you want, because, you know, if you sign for five years, well, your next contract's going to be a 35 plus contract and that's going to be a whole other hassle because the team can't just buy you out, right? And get out from underneath that. So especially for RFAs, I think it's, it's wise to sign for a little shorter term. Um, Hall, I mean, if if he signs long-term uh, next summer with the New Jersey devils, that might be his last contract of significance in, in the NHL, uh, you know, as a big dollar player. Mm-hmm. And he would be locking into that team as a player who, like you said, has had one playoff appearance in his career. So for him to lock in for eight years for the devils or seven years somewhere else, I mean, he's got to know. He's got to do his homework and know he's got to trust that GM. He's got to trust the players that are already in place. He's really got to do his research and know and feel good about that team being a contender or else, you know, you might look back, and it finally worked out for Jay Bomeister winning the yeah. Stanley Cup, but you might look back on Taylor Hall's career as, boy, like <laughs> he really just never got to the players. We really never saw him. I, but New Jersey's about as good a situation as, as you can probably find in the league right now. One guy I just wanted to touch on, um, I think we glossed over is Braden Holtby. Uh, so yes, he's going to sure. be a UFA next year. And that's super interesting to me because Washington also has Nicholas Backstrom. So you got two prime UFAs that you're going to have to give contracts to. Braden Holtby's going to be 30 years old. Bobrovsky just got $10 million from the Florida Panthers. So that's where it starts, I would think, for Holtby. And you can make a case why he should get a little bit more than that. And at the same time, you have youngster Ilya Samsonov, who crossed the pond, played his first AHL season last year. Look at his numbers. They don't look great, but you have to look at his numbers in the second half of the season because he was phenomenal uh, from, I think, mid-January on it was. Um, So maybe it just took time for him to get used to the smaller ice and all that stuff. So maybe if he has a great season again in the AHL... I mean is there a world where you think about moving on from Holby? I I would be surprised because that's a team that is very much in a, in a mode of trying to win the Stanley Cup, but it is an interesting dynamic because you also have Backstrom who I think is I think is the more important one of those two to keep depending on what happens with Samsonov this year, but it's just that's going to be tough and it's going to also depend on what that salary cap number rises to next year. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that contract uh, talk develops
0: over the season. Do you want to talk about how Ovechkin is UFA in 2022?
1: <laughs> that is going to be great. <laughs> well, they have to keep him because he's going to, to break keep... Wayne Gretzky's exactly. record. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All right. You got your next golf adventure planned yet? I was thinking about going out this afternoon, oh, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, let's get this guy back to vacation then. We are going to be on a summer schedule here for the next six weeks or so. So just keep checking the feed. We'll be, you know, popping into the studio every two or three weeks. We will try and line up some fun off season guests for you. And of course we will talk about any news that does happen throughout the summer. Once in a while, we see a big move uh, in the, in the dog days here, but usually now it doesn't happen until you get that pressure point of camp coming, which PS don't look now, but that's really less than two months away. So Rory, get all the golfing you can in now, make sure everyone out there is going to sportsnet.ca. If not for your hockey news these days, certainly uh, we got the baseball trade deadline coming up. Uh, Rory and my Red Sox, not looking super great, but maybe they'll do they something. Won last to, year. I'm fine with that. We can dine out for a <laughs> little while. You can follow Rory throughout the summer on Twitter at Rory Boylan, myself at Dixon on Sports. Check back soon for more Glass Rattling Hockey action. on tape to tape we